Welcome back to the Sphira series here at the Database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you are listening to week five, the week of Hode, which is also going to be the week of Lagba Omer as well. We have plenty to talk about, and of course, we're going to get to the next seven Kinyane Torah that we find in Perkeavos, Parak Kinyan Torah, in Perkeavos 6 6. So, Bezra Hashem, we have all of that to come. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Anonymous, Lili Nishmas, Shmuel Menachem, and Arieleib, and Menleah Bas Avraham, they're in Shamas Shavin And thank you to Yona and Chani Laster on second time sponsorships. Anyone else who wants to sponsor, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data, then base, which is spelled B E I S, at gmail.com. Okay, so what exactly is the Sphira or the Mida of Hod? And for lack of a better translation, we'll go with the classic translation that appears in the likes of Art Scroll. It's often translated as majesty. Sometimes you find it as glory or splendor. And then we start going back into the territory of Teferis, which is often translated as splendor. And obviously, Teferis and Hod are not the same thing. But we find also Hod appears in our davening. So we find the pairing of Hod Vihadar. So it's something, something beautiful. It's something apparently um, royal. Um, if we're going with the majesty approach, if we're going with the splendor approach, there's something really pleasing about it. But we have to figure out is what exactly hod is. And part of the the um, the understanding of hod is to know its place among the other spheros. And again, you know, we're not going into deep kabbalistic understanding of the spheros but just the basic understanding so that we can apply them to ourselves and understand how, um, how we can work on these midos to be matakin, the pagamim, the blemishes we have in the, these different midos. And part of understanding that is recognizing what we've noted in the past, and that is that each sphera has a relationship to the other spheros. So we talked about the pairing of chesed and gevura, and how teferis is the synthesis of the two. And we already began speaking about how last week's um, Sphira, which was Netzach, is um, partnered and countered and complemented by this Sphira of Hod. And by the time we get to Yesod, which is going to be the next one, Yesod is going to be a new synthesis of both Netzach and Hod. So now that we know that, we can think back to what Netzach was, and with that information we can figure out a little bit of what Hod is. And hopefully through that, we could also figure out what is the uniqueness of the day of Lagba Omer, which we'll have later this week, as Ras Hashem, which falls out on the day of Hod Shebehod. Right, so the 33rd day of the Omer corresponds to Hod Shebehod. And so we have to figure out what is this majesty of majesty. So... In, in doing that, let's return a little bit to the sphere of Netzach, just to get an understanding. Last week, when we spoke about Netzach, so we were working with a model that I had suggested, and you know, if there's any truth to it, 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 it would be found in Kabbalah. And uh, again, I, I, I ask that anyone who knows more on the topic, please correct me if I'm saying something that's incorrect. But the way I presented chesed and gevura, for example, so chesed I suggested was active positive, 
whereas Gevura was the opposite. That's passive, negative. I specifically put those two pairings of active versus passive and positive versus negative. So chesed is both active and positive. That's like plus plus. Whereas gavura is passive negative, which is, I guess you could think of it as minus minus. If chesed is my active doing of good, my active bestowing of positive on someone else, you know, giving someone pleasure, for example, giving to someone else. So gavura, the passive negative, would be specifically the withholding of something. And the negative aspect of it is that not only do I sometimes withhold, but negative might also mean that sometimes I will not 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 give to the other and even, you know, have to be um, a little bit harsh with the individual. All right, so sometimes, you know, Gavura manifests itself in doing something that's how that, um, you know, you know, we can call this tough love, right? Where you are specifically for all the right intentions, you are going to be harsh. And we said that Tiferes was the simplest of the two. Then when it came to Netzach, I suggested that Netzach in a certain sense is what um, I refer to as passive positive. So minus plus. And whatever that means would be the opposite of that, which is going to be active negative, positive, right? So sorry, active negative, which would kind of be like a plus minus. So we'll have to explain what that is, but let's go back to Netzach to understand. So we said Netzach, which literally means triumph or means victory or eternality. We explained that um, in layman's terms and practical terms, that means the concept of persevering, resiliency, endurance. I don't know if resiliency is a word. Resilience is a word. So resilience and you know continuity of pre-existing strength. Holding strong, keeping to your guns, and staying on top while you're ahead. Right? The 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 concept of Netzach, which corresponded to Moshe Rabbeinu, so it's you know, kind of keeping the lead and keeping the continuity of that which you have going and not giving up. Don't give leeway. And this, by the way, um, I want to clarify and slightly modify something that, um, based on something I said last week. But it's, it's not necessarily only while you're ahead, but it's staying in the fight. It's the part of you that is going to keep going, right? It's the positive because I'm, I'm, I'm still pushing, not necessarily with any new tactics, not necessarily with any new bursts of energy. I'm not going out and doing any more extra acts per se, but it's about the continuity of how I've been doing up until now, and I'm keeping that going. And even if I find myself behind, and here's the point that I want to add, even if I'm, let's say, I'm losing the battle against the Eight Sahara, and I'm, and I'm not ahead, but still staying in the game and fighting, putting the, you know, putting the effort in and going all the way, that's, that's what real Netzach is. Right? So if we, can, if we can put it in even simpler terms, Netzach means not giving up. And that's where the true eternality comes from. And you can say, in last week I used the mushal of the best defense is a strong offense. You also have it in the reverse, actually. Sometimes a really, uh, you know, really good offense would be a strong defense. Um, that if Netzach means I'm just holding my own, I'm, you know, I'm just staying in there no matter what. And, you know, the Eight Sahara 
can't turn me onto my back, even though he's trying and he's working and he's working really hard to pin me to the ground. But, you know, the, the Netzach is the part of us that stays in the game. Whether we were given the strength to do, completely defeat the Sahara and to vanquish him, or whether we weren't, but we're still just, you know, sticking it out like Yaakov against the angel, you know, just holding it out. So that, that's what Netzach is. Netzach is not giving up. If that's true, then what exactly is Hod? And what's so majestic about Hod? All right, so Hod, if Hod is the opposite of Netzach, which Netzach seems like a midah that you should never let go on, right? That's what Netzach would tell you. Netzach would tell you, don't give up. Don't give any leeway. Whatever you can, hold hold back. All right, um, so, or hold hold your, your, your opponent back. Hold, hold your, um, your opposition back. So if that's true, then what, then what can be Hod? And what could be so good about Hod? Right, it sounds like the opposite of not giving up is giving up, of you know s- s- submitting. Right, and uh, and it seems that you know if you do if you do a little bit of research, the, it seems that the midah of hod really is the midah of submission, which, based on everything we've said so far, seems like it's not the midah that we think of, you know, as people and as Jews as being the optimal midah, right? The, the midah of giving up. But maybe we could we could phrase this differently, right? It's it's not as much about giving up, but we'll, we'll have to see exactly what does it mean. And by the way, while while we're resolving and deciphering the mida of hod, two things to think about. One is that this mida apparently corresponds to Aaron Akoin, which can already give us a little bit of an in into the understanding of the majestic nature of it, Aaron Akoin, who wore the big day kahuna. But there's also the aspect of Hod that apparently connects to Lag Baomer, right? Because I think an important question to ask about Hod and its relationship to Lag Baomer is that seemingly, if we could apply any of the Midos to the heroism of Rabbi Akiva on the day of Lag Baomer, we would have, we, we, we probably would have labeled him with Netzach, the continuity, the eternality, the not giving up, especially at that time that he lost 24,000 students and could have given up, right? That's how we would phrase it. And yet, you know, he, you know, he kept going. And it's, uh, it's, you know, it's fascinating that the hode of hode, apparently, is what describes the day of Lagwa Omer best, apparently. Now, we, we, again, we might not have thought that up on our own. Right? It seems like giving up is the opposite of what Lag Bomer is. So we have to really try to understand how, how this sheds any light at all, if it does, on Lag Bomer. Right? So what exactly is the mystery and majesty of this Mida of Hod? So to understand it, again, I want to return to Aaron Cohen, and I want to really return to where this Mida can be most important. Right? Because, as we know, the Sviros or Midos really are all about the balance. And they're all about, and, you know, the word Mida means a measurement, which means that every single one of our Midos has to be properly measured. Too much of any one of them is, is, is not good. Or too much Chesed, we said, is not good. Too much Gevura is obviously not good. Now the question is, is too much Netzach not good? Right, I, who, who said we should ever give up any give any give any room, 
when it comes to when it comes to Nesach, we should we should push all the way. Is there a time where we shouldn't push? Is there a time where we shouldn't stick to our guns? And the answer, apparently, and you know, will come very evident is sometimes yes. There there is a time where you actually are supposed to give in. When it's obviously very tough, but if we think of it as stop giving in, so you know, then we, we might say, yeah, like it's a sign of weakness to give in. Right? But let's think back to Gevura. Uh, to Gevura. We said, you know, Gevura, Ezeu Givura, Kovesh Or you could be really strong by, by pushing your way through and getting everything you want. But really, withholding sometimes is where the Midah is really manifest, where it shows the true strength and shows the true heroism. And we can use a similar Ma'amu construct to explain Hod. That, you know, Netzach, pushing and never giving up. So that's obviously important in many, and if not most, of our battles against the Eight Sahara. But sometimes we fight just to get our way. Sometimes we use the Midah of Netzach because we just don't want to lose. And against the Eight Sahara, that's obviously appropriate, but think about the model of Aaron Cohen who is Ohev Shalom, Rodev Shalom, right? We think about this in relationships and in marriage. The question that you always have to, you know, confront is what am I trying to get? Am I, am I trying to win? Or do you want to really win? Right, what, what does that mean? If it's about you, you know, getting what you want, right? So whether this is with your spouse or whether this is in any relationship that you have, right? Let's say it's road rage. Let's say... It's, uh, you know, any, any time where you have two choices to either completely give something up or to fight for the win, right? Because you want to win and you're going to win no matter what. So maybe the Mead of Netzach sometimes will tell you, don't give up, don't give in. But someone who's Ohev Shalom, Rodev Shalom, is someone who is willing to completely lie down for the sake of Shalom. Someone is completely willing to lie down where either the real win will come later, right? I might lose this battle, but I'm going to win the war. And the war is actually not against my spouse, and it's not against the guy I'm driving near on the road or against my peers in the workplace. But apparently the, 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 real, the real hode is the idea of being able to let go for the sake of a larger victory later. And the victory is manifest itself in, because I gave up, because I gave in here, not only do I have the energy, but I, you know, I have the basis to, you know, to, to fight another day. And it's not just that, oh yeah, okay, so I give in you know, to my spouse on this issue, so this way I'll have energy to fight my, my spouse on a different issue. But we, what we really mean is, by giving in in a certain area right now, you are actually creating a foundation. This might hint a little bit to Yisod, which will be next week. But I'm creating a foundation that will allow me to have a better footing when I really need to use the Mida of Netzach for something you know, that's really important. Not, not just you know, the time that I would like to win most. But, you, but if, you have the, if, you, if you know how to lie down and have hod at the right time, so then, again, you, 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 you create a standing for yourself when you need to use Netzach. And obviously this can be used the wrong way, giving up. We know many places where giving up can be wrong. We can argue, you know, you know, Chazal talk about how Aaron at the scene of the, 
the Chet Egel. So Chazal talk about the heroism of Aaron, who said that I don't want Kleinstrahl to become guilty of, of, of murdering the Kohen Gadol. Maybe he wasn't the Kohen Gadol at the time, but murdering the likes of Aaron or Kohen. So he, his cheshbon was to think about Kleinstrahl. But maybe if Moshe Rabbeinu, someone with a little bit more Netzach, was there, none of this would have happened. Well, it wouldn't have happened anyway, right? Because Kleinstrahl was only concerned that Moshe Rabbeinu was gone. But the point is to get an understanding of Aaron or Kohen, where maybe you know there's a time where not standing your ground could be a problem, right? Because obviously the the negative aspect of of Aaron's involvement in the Chetayigel, even if we can acknowledge the heroism, is obviously um, still hard to ignore, right? The the the, the issue where hode might exist, or where too much hode can exist. But the majesty of being able to give up, I think, the true majesty. Um, you know, when we think of majesty, we think of grace, right? Someone gracefully conceding, you know, and someone acknowledging defeat. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they were beaten, you know, down, but that they, that they, they decided to step aside because they, they realized this is what was important. You know, there's something that was more important than their personal victory. There's something graceful, there's something majestic about that. And this will actually help us understand what Hod Shebahod is, right? Because when we think about Hod, although until now we've been describing it as giving up, I want to change, um, I want to I modify that to the Mida of Vitor, being Mavater, self-bittal, self-nullification, being able to let go for now so that you can move on and be productive moving forward. Right? And... Although we can acknowledge the heroism of Rabbi Akiva for not giving up, it could be his humility and his submission in this really difficult time was what was more important at that moment. Right? We know that the, the his Talmudim were, were wiped out in the plague because they weren't Noeg Kavod Zebazah. You could maybe make the argument that they didn't have that grace, that majesty for one another. They wouldn't lie down to one another. But they... Were maybe maybe there was too much netzach. Maybe maybe that's the point, right? And maybe they were lacking in the v'hafdal recha kamocha, the zeklagal Torah, the same mida that would tell you to lie down and, and submit. And the reason why, again, I, I refer to this as the active negative, right? It's the ne- the negative is the giving up part, the submission part. It's the withdrawing of yourself, right? That's the negative. The active is the part of you that that actively, proactively lies down, right? Whereas Gevura, we said, is, you know, the negative negative, right? Where it's, it's passive negative. It's all about you withholding. The withholding that comes with Hode is the active lying down, which maybe Gevura wouldn't go that far. But the active lying down, the active submission, the active self-nullification to create a better tomorrow. And that maybe is what Rabbi Akiva really needed. Right? The humility to say, to, to, to turn the page on 24,000 students lost, irreplaceable students. And, you know, maybe Netzach would say, I can't give up on, you know, on those 24,000 students. They're dead already. There's no way to win. You know, you're at a stalemate. And maybe a person with a Netzach mentality might freeze. A purely Netzach mentality would say, I can't acknowledge my defeat. And sometimes when we can't acknowledge our defeat, the problem is that we can never fight another war again the next day. 
right? You know, when, when, you, when you're so used to winning, when you're so used to your netzach, your eternality, the continuity, don't ever let go. When you're, so, when you're so accustomed to that, what happens is when you do lose and you're not able to acknowledge it, you can't be productive tomorrow. And hode is the admit of humble defeat, perhaps, that says, okay, you know what, today you know, to, you know, the, the battle happened and maybe I lost this battle. But if I want to have a productive tomorrow, I better acknowledge the mistakes of today. To, ad- to gracefully admit defeat. And it's not the admission of defeat that says, again, that I'm stom giving up. But it's a self-bittle. It's a humility that says, okay, maybe, maybe I lost for now. But I'll get back in there. right? If you have hode at the right time, you'll be able to reestablish your netzach for tomorrow. And the humility of that hod is perhaps what makes Lag Bomer so special. The hod sheva hod. Okay, let's talk about the next seven kinyanim. Seven kinyanim Torah for this week. We start from kinyan number, I think number 29 is what we're up to. So thus far, we've already spoken about the kinyanim of Talmud Torah, Shmias Ozen, Arichas Vasayim, Binat Zalev, Siklas Halev, Ema, Yira. That was all in week one. Week two, we spoke about Anava, Simcha, Tahara, Shimash Tamid Echamim, Diktuk Chaberim, Pilpoch, Talmidim, and Yishav Adas. And week three, we spoke about Mikra, Mishnah. Then we had the Miot series of Miot Schorah, Miot Derecheretz, Miot Tanug, Miot Sheina, Miot Sicha. And then we continued the Miot series in week four, which was Natsach. And we started with Miot Schok. We spoke about Erech Apayim, Lev Tov, Emunas Chachamim, Kabbalah Sisurin, Makers Makomo, and we finished with Sameach Bechalko. So now today, with these seven Kinyane Torah, we're going to start off with Osa Siag Ledvarov. Right? Um, creating a fence for his words. Now, it's not clear to me if Osa Siag Ledvarov is talking about the individual's own words or it's talking about Hashem's words, Hashem's Torah. Um, but I, I assume it's talking about Hashem's Torah. And this is simply trying to go through the emotions of being careful with, with, with halacha, right? Creating fences, not necessarily creating new halachos or new minhagim, but nihugim, things that you do to to watch yourself, make sure you don't violate a, um, you know, a, a halacha. Sometimes we have siagim that are diaraisa, um, right? Um, the, the lekach, tov, simen ches. So Yosef Engel is famous for the siagim diaraisa. Every time you have a fence, but it's on a biblical level. So like we had in last week's parasha, l'sikur v'legalus erva, right? Um, that, you know, we, don't, we don't even come near um, intimate relations with someone that we're not supposed to have it with, so you don't even touch them. You know, Darchiba, so that's a Siag Diaraisa, and there are a bunch of other examples. The Siag of Kanil Sami, you know, on Durbanan level, and there might be an even broader explanation of Siag that, you know, anything that's meant to create a fence around the Torah. This is obviously important. We think about you know, the Hagbalah, the fence that was created around Har Sinai, which I think is um, at the very least also symbolic of a fence for the Torah. Um, you know, in the in the first parak of Perkyavos, they talk about this as well. Um, you know, Asu Siag Torah. So this this midah is obviously very important. So this midah, which corresponds to 
um, I guess, the, the chesed of hod, which is you know, the best thing you can do um, um, in terms of submitting yourself, is submitting yourself to these fences, which you know, a, a person who, um, who might have you know, more of this victorious, triumphant, um, you know, I'm not giving up, so he might, he might not be humble enough to submit himself to the siyag. So we submit ourselves to the siyag. Okay, so that's the, the first one for this week. Then we have, Eino machzik tov Someone who is not machzik, someone who is not presumptive, presumptuous, um, someone who is not trying to grab good for himself. What does that mean? So the, an earlier mission in Perkei says, for example, don't be machzik tov for yourself if you've learned and engaged in Torah, because l'kach because that's, that's what you were formed for. That, that was your whole purpose. The, your whole justification of being alive is to engage in Torah. So don't, don't, don't try to be machzik tov for yourself. Machzik tov means to take credit. To take, to take, you know, extra credit, to, to, to assume that you have a bonus for yourself. That's to be machzik tov. And, you know, you, sometimes you see this with people, people who have the hod mentality. So this one is, um, I guess, the gvura of hod, um, which is to not see yourself as being so deserving, to be so presumptuous once again. Um, but here, uh, so, so you see some people who, you know, they'll, they'll do a bunch of chesed, they'll do, you know, they'll, they'll give a lot of tzedakah, and they'll put themselves out to help people, and then you thank them so much, and then they act as though, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, really don't thank me. This is really what I, my job is. This is what I'm put here for, and and they, and they mean it. So, definitely a great media. And just to just to remind everyone, when we talk about the Kinyane Torah, so when you talk about a Kinyan, a Kinyan can be can be something that you acquire, or it can be a mode of acquisition. And um, we're, we're, we're appealing to both approaches here in the Kinyane Torah, right? So meaning each one of these things is a treasure in its own right. It's its own acquisition. We, these are things we, were, we are acquiring through Torah, through our appreciation and our engaging in Torah. So we acquire the jewels of Oses Yagladvarov, of Eino Machzik but also... These midos are things that you need in order to properly engage in Torah. These are modes of acquisition of Torah. If you want to acquire Torah, so part of the acquiring of Torah is to make a fence around Asus Torah and Eino Machzik Tov Laatzmo, not to think, you know, you know, a person who wants to truly acquire Torah has to understand that Lakach Natsarta, that you were formed for this purpose, and therefore you shouldn't, try, you know, if you think that, oh, I'm going to get a bonus, I'm getting extra credit by learning Torah, so you won't, you won't, you won't really acquire this. Torah. So again, seeing the Kinyane Torah as both individual acquisitions, but also modes of acquisition for Torah. Okay, so now with this, we start moving into a new series within the Kinyanim. I call this the Ohev series. So we had earlier, we had the, the Miut series. Uh, now we have the, the, the Ohev series. So the first one and, and also we have a similar phenomenon that we had by the Miyot series, right? We said that there was one, one item from the Miyot series um, was um, isolated and put instead of the, the original Miyot series items were all in Teferis and the last one was in Netzach. So here, most of them are in Hod, but one of them we're going to see is in Yesod. And that, that one's going to be Ohe Vesatochachos, loving reproof. So that's, that's what we're going to start with next week when we get to the Kinyane Torah. That one's not going to be done this week. But the first of the Ohev series is Ahuv, just being beloved yourself, being beloved. Right, so this is apparently an acquisition that comes 
with Torah, you get this special treasure. Also, apparently part of acquiring Torah is to be someone who is ahuv, someone who's beloved. So we have to understand what this means. What does it mean being, being loved by others? Right, and you got to be very, very careful with this one, there because, you know, there there are a lot of ways that you can be loved by others, right? You can be loved by others for the wrong reasons, right? We we want to, you know, and sometimes you know, you know, a, a place that you can get lost with this one is you can say, listen, I'm I'm loved by others, so it must mean I'm doing the right thing, right? And just to give you another model, Rabbi Chanina Bendosa in um, earlier in Perkiavos in the third parak. Um, Paragimel, some Mishnah Yud, Hu Haya Omer, He said that anyone where the Ruach Abrios, that the, the um, emotions of others, the thinking of others are Nocha Yimenu, that people are, other people are pleased with him, so Rachamakam Nocha Yimenu, that it must be that it's a, it's a good sign that Hashem is happy with you. If, if people are happy with you, it must mean that Hashem is happy with you. So a person can run with this and say, listen, I can do whatever I want if I'm making people happy, right? So let's say I make an inappropriate joke in the workplace and everyone loves me because of that joke. You know, I, I, um, you know I, I give everyone a good laugh at work. Or even if it's in shul and I make an inappropriate joke and people love me for it, I, let's say I'm in class and I'm the class clown. So you might say, it must be Hashem is happy with me. Right? You can be clown yourself and say, it must be Hashem is happy with me because all these other people are giving me the right signals. The people are giving me the signal that they're happy with me. It must be Hashem is happy with me. So obviously you can, you can go lost at that. And so it's very, you got to be very careful because the Rabbeinu Yonah here says, We're talking specifically about someone, you know, for example, who his business affairs are, are appropriate and he's, and he's straight and he's doing all the right things. People realize that he's faithful. So I'll be coming up in the daf in, uh, in probably in a, in a couple months or so. Love people who act fair in business. What do people say about him? They praise him for his Torah knowledge. All right, so if you're doing something that's against halacha and people are praising you because look at how you defy the Torah, so obviously that's not the kind of nocha heimenu, you know, that, uh, that people are pleased with him and therefore Hashem is going to be pleased with him. All right, so you can have a person who everybody loves him but if he's, um, and that would not be a sign that Hashem is happy with him. So, you know, it has to be Teferis, not just, you know, Librios, but Teferis Leoseha, right? Like in the beginning of the, I believe it's the second parak of Perkiavos, right? The, the path that you should choose for yourself. We talk about Ahuv here. You got to be very, very careful. It's being beloved, but for the right reasons, right? And, um, and um, you know, people, you know, uh, and there's a marked difference between people who are loved because they know how to, you know, please a crowd, whether for, you know, you know, even, even for the wrong reason, versus people who are just by themselves. You know, you can make the argument that person who knows how to please the crowd, he makes the crowd laugh, or he makes these bold decisions that are against the Torah, and, you know, he's brazen about it, and people respect that about him, or they like that about him. So you can make the argument that that person is not really beloved, but maybe he's doing something that appeals to people, Maybe he's being a crowd pleaser, but that doesn't mean that he's beloved. The person who's beloved is someone who is beloved for doing the right things. When people look at you and your midos and they look at who you are and, and, and what you represent, and if you're someone who represents the Torah, and people say, wow, Ashrei Misha Lama Torah, this individual, so then that, that's Ahuv. Okay, so now we move into the next one where it's talking about things that you love. Oheva Samakum, loving the omnipresent, loving Hashem. 
Okay, so this, the more Torah you learn, the more you're going to love Hashem. And the more you love Hashem, the more Torah you can acquire. And till now, you know, we've spoken about Ema and Yira, fear for Hashem. And, and these are all important. But the loving of the omnipresence. And it's interesting, it's Ohevesam Makom. You know, Makom represents God's being everywhere. And sometimes it even represents God's being distant, right? We say, Hamakom Yinachem, or Hamakom Yirachem. But here we're saying that you love the omnipresent. You love God whom you know is everywhere. I may not see him, but I know he's everywhere. And being able to appreciate how Hashem is in the world. Right? A person who learns Torah and really loves Torah, he's able to, you know, even when he walks away from his sefer, you know, even when he climbs out of his sefer and walks out into the world, he's able to appreciate Hashem in the Bria as well. And I think that, that speaks to this midah of Oeva Samakom. The next one, which actually corresponds to Ahod Shebahod, is Oeva Sabrios, right? And if we think about Aaron Cohen, right? So, Heve Talmida, Hillel Omer, Heve Mitamid of Sha'aron, Oev Shalom, Roev Dev Shalom, Oeva Sabrios, when he carved on the Torah. Right, so if you love the brios, if you love the creations, you love how, you love people. So you're going to be you're going to be try to be um, you try to create shalom between them, but also makarv and la Torah, right? And this this corresponds to hod How do you think Rabbi Akiva would have been able to establish new talmidim to turn the page on the loss of twenty four thousand talmidim, only to start again with five? How do you think he can do that without this mida of oives abrios? Right, that's where it came from. The Vihafta Larecha Kamocha. Where like 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 it's no wonder that this corresponds to Hod Shabahod. Oeva Sabrios. Like well, like what 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 else? What what else would you put here? Right, so the, the, the and we see this is the way to uh, the way to get someone to Torah, the way to a person's heart, right? How do you get that? It has to come from the heart. Oh, do you love the individual or not? Anyone who's ever struggling with chinuch, or maybe as a rav, do you love the individuals that you are serving? Do you love the individual? Do you love the Talmud? You know, like the, that's, that's literally the beginning and end of it, and should be the middle of it. It should be every aspect of it. It's hard to think about it at the time, but that's oh, and sabrios. And the more Torah you acquire... So the more of this mida that you have, but of course, in order to truly get Torah, you know, if you're if you if you're someone who has Torah but you don't have avas brios, then then you you know that your your Torah is lacking as well. You need, you need this to have Torah. The next one we have oeves at tzedakos. So loving tzedakos is this talking about charity? It could be, but usually tzedakah, in what we find it in Tanakh, even though this is in the Mishnah, usually refers to innocence or decency, right? And you and a person, and we have to try to understand the difference between this and the next one, which is oevesamesharim, loving fairness, right? Often we have tzaddik v'yashar are together, right? So we have oevesetzdakos, oevesamesharim. Mesharim means things that are straight. Tzaddik means, you know, or Mesharim uh, is also often translated as upstanding or straightforward, something that's yashar, something that's fair, something that's honest. But tzedakah also has the connotations of honest, um, you know, something that's decent, something that's innocent, something, someone that is not guilty, or we often translate it as righteous. So that's a, that's a later understanding of what tzedakah is. But, you know, more basic is, you know, someone who's doing the right thing, basic, you know, very basic, innocent. And apparently these are things to love, 
right? You love tzedakos. You love, you absolutely love the, the I guess, the fairness that's associated with this, um, you know, with, with, with um, this doing the right thing. Now, I don't know if this is talking about people or it's talking about the midos itself, loving things that are straight, loving things that are, that are innocent. So what, what exactly are these two? And what does it mean to love these things? Right? It's, it's one thing to accept, right? Um, I, you know, if you're an honest person, if you're, a, if, if, you're a per, if you're an upstanding person, and if you're a decent person, so these are morals that you obviously stand by. Right, you you would say that you represent them. Are you a person who is fair? Are you a person who has human decency? We're not talking about that apparently. We're talking about loving these things, right? And the opposite would be to be you know, to not be able to tolerate the opposite of these things, right? If you absolutely love Hashem, right? You, it could be like you know, I'm a person who has a conversation with an atheist. You know, you could have a nice cordial conversation with an atheist or or someone who's not religious, someone who doesn't like, you know, someone who's anti-Torah. And you can say, listen, you know, I believe in Hashem, and, um, and therefore I fulfill the Torah. This guy doesn't. Okay, and I'm going to talk to him on his level. I'm going to, you know, whatever, he's who he is. I am who I am, and we'll just have a conversation. But if you're able to do that, maybe there's a lack in your Ahavas Hashem, because your love of Hashem should make you insulted by this individual, his existence, his way of life. And... Part of you should be, you know, if you if you real have a have a real avas Hashem, you should be repulsed. You should be disgusted by this individual, and you should have you should, you know, obviously it doesn't mean you shouldn't be cordial, but part of you should be bothered by the by by even the the, the nature of the conversation by by the, the the fact that you would even engage. And you, obviously you have to know what the you have to know how to answer the apikaris, but you should be disgusted. Right, if you have avas Hashem, so let's let's use this on avas uh, tzedakas and avas mesharim. The lack of human decency should be repulsive to you. If you love tzedakos, you love, let's say it's charity, let's say it's innocence. You know, a person who has not been guilty of anything, you love that. You you love that to the point that. That's what you're attracted to. Let's say you're looking to get married and you're looking for a person. So a person who has tzedakos, that's what you love. That's, that's what you, you lean towards. Not just something that you represent and you agree with. Right? You, you can agree with someone. doesn't mean you're going to marry them. Right? So if you love this, it's like, it's like wow, like, you can't get over this. You know, when, you, when you see that mida in play, you're like, wow. And the same thing for mesharim. So, right? so mesharim is something that's, that's just straightforward. Someone is completely yashar. Right, and so it's, and so it's again, sadik can mean the person just who has decency, and you're like looking at that guy. So I would say, like, tzedakos is like, you know, what a mensch. And, when, you know, there's a mensch, you know, we would say maybe it's baseline, but then there's you know, the yishrei lev, the straight of heart, the yashar. You know, the, there's something about that as well. That it's, 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 you know, again, these are sometimes these terms are almost synonymous, and you've got to try to figure out the difference. But when someone is upstanding, when someone is straightforward, where you're like, it's not just that he's he's got human decency, but he, you know, he's a Yari Shemayim. He's never gonna veer from the path. He's consistent, his standards. So that that, that I think speaks to, you know, when you're Ohevas Tzedakos, Ohevasameisharim. And Bezrat Hashem, next week we'll talk about Oevis Atochachos and maybe try to explain why that's in its own, it's in its own set with Yisod. But that takes us through this week and the Mida.
and the Sphira of Hod, and of course these incredible seven King Yanni Torah. Bezra Hashem will pick up next week with the week of Yisod. Everybody have a wonderful week of Hod, a wonderful Lag Sameach, and all the best. Thank you for joining us here at the database.